Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live uh, through him. Well, uh, friends, uh, this morning I want to speak to you about the tangible love of God. The tangible love of God. We're thinking uh, today about love. And uh, everyone, almost everyone, uh, likes to think about love and uh, talk about love. And uh, a subject that sells newspapers and gets people to listen usually. And, uh, but usually when people talk about love, they're thinking about romantic love. The thing that is on their mind and often people want to talk about more uh, is that romantic love. Uh, But this morning we are not focusing so much on that kind of a love. We mention it in passing, but we're talking more about God's love. The love of God for sinners. The love of God for us. And sadly to say, not many people want to know about God's love. Sad to say, people turn off when you talk to them about the love of God. The best love of all that there is, is God's love. And yet people don't want to talk about it so much, don't want to know about it, don't want to experience it in their own lives. It seems a turn off to them. So it's a pity that not everyone wants to know about it. Many use the phrase, isn't it? God is love. You hear it so often nowadays. And not everyone, not just from believers, even from those for unbelievers, God is love. But sadly, it's used in the wrong way. For so many, it's used as a, a sort of a mantra or an excuse or a passport just to, for me to live as I like. Oh, I can live as I like. I can do what I like because God is love. At the end of the day, well, he will just accept me. He will just receive me into heaven at last. He doesn't make any great demands of me. He just expects me to be as I am and to live as I like because God is love. Oh, God is love. It, it legitim- people use it, that phrase to le- legitimize immoral activities. We hear that again. Uh, but that's, uh, these are wrong ways of thinking about God's love. Love, of course, we have to say, is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Love, of course, is uh, a beautiful thing. Where would we be without love? Love is a, a universal thing. All of us have the capacity to love uh, uh, other people. All of us desire uh, to be loved. Everyone wishes that there was more love in the world than there is. As a songwriter said, a songwriter who passed away actually not so long ago, he wrote these words, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Love not just for some, but for everyone. Nice sentiments, nice wishes, hopeful wishes, but is it really attainable? Love not just for some, but for everyone, the songwriter's wish. Well, if it's left uh, to man, it's out of his reach. We don't have it in us, naturally speaking, uh, to love one another. You only have to look at our world, friends, to realize that love is so lacking in this world. You see war in this world, isn't it? We see wars taking place in different parts of the world. You can go to Ukraine and you can see a very uh, prime example of, uh, of hatred and viciousness and malicious hatred 
uh, there that is still prevalent where? In man's heart. That there is a failure in love. There is a deficiency uh, in love there. Man who has made all these great technological advances, man who is able to build wonderful buildings, man who is able to uh, put in place an internet where we can communicate and see each other face to face, man who is now trying to get to Mars, still is deficient in love, still has made no progress in love. Has he gone forwards or backwards in love? Well, that's debatable, isn't it? But certainly no progress, really. But we don't have to go to Ukraine to see these things. We see them on our own doorstep, isn't it? We only have to open our newspapers. I'm sorry to begin in sort of a negative way. But we only have to use, open our own newspapers, our local newspapers, and we see that on our very doorstep these kinds of things are happening. Hate crimes. Hate crimes not as the law defines hate crimes these days, but hate crimes in terms of murders and stabbings and road rage. Well, we see these uh, taking place every day. Who are they committed by? Who does these crimes? Is it the, it's not the Hitlers, the Mussolinis, the Maos of the, of, the, of the time? It's ordinary people. Ordinary men and women are doing these things, and that's what startles us, isn't it, when we see uh, such acts of hate. Oh, friends, the only way a person can become more loving, and it is possible, the only way a person may become more loving is by first knowing God's love, by first becoming acquainted with the love of Christ, by, by first experiencing a conversion in their hearts, a conversion in their lives. This is what uh, will, uh, take, will change a person by realizing how much God loves uh, them and responding to that love, this is what changes a person into a more uh, kinder, uh, thoughtful, considerate, loving person. So this morning I just want to uh, uh, look at three things. Firstly, a phrase from verse 7, and then a phrase from verse 8, uh, before I come to our text in verse uh, 9. Uh, so firstly, that phrase in verse 7, and it's that simple one, love is of God. Love is of God. Love has its origin, friends, in God. Love, uh, the source of our love, all real kinds of love, true love, is God. The ability to love others in any degree comes from God. It's a God-given ability that we have. God has implanted this uh, in us. God has implanted this uh, love uh, in our natures. When God made our first parents, Adam and Eve, well, he shared with them some of his attributes. Not all, but some of his attributes. For example, the reason that the, 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 we have the ability to, re to reason, to think, is it's a God-given. God is like that. The, we are somewhat uh, able to apply our, our thinking, our knowledge to wisdom, is again, that is the wisdom that God has shared uh, with us. Justice, that sense of justice, is also uh, God-given. And it's the same uh, with love. That's also one of his attributes that God has shared with us. Love hasn't evolved in us over millions of years, as some scientists are telling us and evolutionists are telling us. It's a God-given, friends. And uh, we can see this uh, so clearly if, Let's consider some of the different ways and the different kinds of love 
that we see in daily life. Think firstly of conjugal love, that love between a husband and his wife, the union of one man and one woman, a two becoming a one, two hearts knit together in love. Uh, thinking of one another, helping one another, caring for, uh, for one another, going out of their way to, to, uh, to be a, a sacrifice for one another. How secure a wife feels to know that uh, her husband loves her and she rests and rejoices in that. How delighted a husband is to feel the love of his wife. How it lifts him up when he is down to know that there is somebody there who loves him and cares for him. Who instituted marriage, friends? It's God. God, at the very beginning, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He is the one who brought uh, uh, this institution into place. Then you could think of parental love. Parental love, that the deep affections that lie in the hearts of parents uh, for their children. Well, we all know it if we have children, how much, how deep it goes. Human parents are not like tortoises. tortoises. Tortoises, when they give birth, well, they just neglect them. They leave their baby unattended to, and they have to fend for themselves. But there's a deep attachment uh, that is there in parents, uh, not uh, a natural attachment, something, though, that is also given by God. Then there's the, the opposite, filial love, the returnings of love, from children to their parents. Oh, friends, how dreadful a home would be, how miserable a home would be, if the children had no love and respect uh, for their parents, for their mum and dad. Uh, how, how miserable a home it would be in such a case where there is no real thoughtfulness on the, even the children's side for their parents. But what a cheerful home when there is that love between parents for children and children for their parents. And then also we could think about friendship love. How miserable a world this would be if we had to trust through life alone, without any friends, without anybody to speak to, a friendless person. But friends, uh, we do have. Friends love us, friends care for us, friends phone us, friends text us these days. Their friends are concerned about us, friends inquire about our welfare. How thankful we are to have such friends checking up on us. And then we could think as well of philanthropic love, that feeling, that compassion for those who are not within our circle of life, those who are distant from us, those who we, who we do not know. You know, we are, with the recent earthquakes that we've had, and we see often uh, as soon as the earthquake happens, uh, there's uh, an appeal made for financial aid, for for rescue workers, for rescue equipment to be sent uh, to uh, those disaster areas. Why, why do these people make their, such appeals? Well, because they know that there is within their fellow human beings some compassion, some pity in their hearts, and that they will not leave them alone, that they will respond to those appeals and those cries uh, for help. And so uh, this is something uh, also that we could say is God-given. So, friends, all these kinds of love, generally speaking, we can say is of God. Well, think of it. If we didn't have this in our life, what an unlivable place this world would be if there was uh, no love. If, uh, if God at the be beginning 
had chosen to withdraw his love. Adam, he could have done that. Adam's sin was so very great. His rebellion, his uh, disobedience against the Lord. Well, God, as a punishment, could have said, well, I'm withdrawing that love from you, and now you have to live in a world without love. You, have, you, might, you can live in a world where everyone is just nasty to each other. He could have done that. He didn't do that. But he may have done that. Well, that would have been a horrible place, wouldn't it be, to live? But yet we have some measure of these things left to us, that our, our world may go on in a, 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 a way, at least, and we can, we can get on with life and socialize and uh, know and experience some measure of happiness uh, still. But then, so then we move on to that second phrase in verse 8. Uh, God is love. God, love is of God, we've seen, but God is love. Well, this is one of God's attributes, love. Not his only one. God is also holy, friends. God is also just. God is also truth. God is also merciful. But this is, uh, he is also here, John tells us, God is love. And that tells us that the very essence of God is love. At the very heart of God, he is love. It's his nature to love. It's not something that he has been given. It's his nature. That's how he is. That's how he has always been. That's how he always will be. He, he will go on loving right for eternity. At the very heart is love. It's not an, a borrowed love from somebody else. It's him. That's all who he is. He is perfect in it, and he cannot stop loving. If you could look into his heart, uh, humanly speaking, as we say, if you could look into God's heart, you will see that the feeling of love prevails with him. Uh, prevails for who? For sinners. Oh, friends, do you think that God is an austere God? Do you think that God is a harsh and a severe person, an angry God, an unfair God? Is that your view of him? Well, you'd be completely wrong. If you thought of him as a God who is to be cowered beneath and to be feared, well, you would get the wrong idea because John tells us God is love. But you say, how do I know? How do I know God is love? Is there any tangible proof that you can give me that the God is love? I can look at all those other loves that you mentioned and I can say, well, here is proof. I can see it in the, in the husband and the wife and the parent and the children. I can see the love that is there. But what about with God? I cannot see God's love. I haven't seen anything like, like it. I don't have an opportunity to look into God's face. Where is God? If I could see him at least, I could look at his face and I could detect a smile in his face. And I could say, well, yes, I can see that he does. I could look in, into his eyes and at least see that, yes, he is for me. If I could just but see him. But I can't uh, see him. Well, it's true, you cannot see God. Verse 12 tells us that no one has seen God at any time. Well, then how can I uh, know God's love? Well, because God has made it manifest in action. God has done something to demonstrate his love uh, for us. I could give you an illustration before. Uh, imagine there's a, a young man, and he's a very shy a young man. 
Uh, but he's uh, interested in, in, in a young girl. He falls in love uh, with a young girl. Well, but he's too shy to tell her directly of his feelings. Well, he's got to make it known in some way. Otherwise, she'll never know. And so maybe he has to resort uh, to uh, uh, writing, or maybe he has to resort to uh, giving her a, a dinner, asking her out for dinner, uh, or for sending her a text message, would you like to come for a walk? Or maybe he will send her some flowers, a bouquet of roses or something. Uh, or maybe he might even go so far as to write a poem for her. But in some way or other, he has to make known his intentions. He has to make known and reveal his feelings. When that girl receives that indication, she who knew nothing about it suddenly realizes, oh, somebody else is interested uh, in me. And friends, this is uh, what uh, God has done Though we cannot see him, though we haven't seen him, though he is invisible to us, yet he has made manifest, he has demonstrated uh, his love uh, for us. And he has done that here primarily in the sending of his only begotten son into the world. In this, verse 9, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we may live uh, through him. God sent his son. Not an angel, not a mighty angel, but his only son, his dearly beloved son, was, uh, uh, was sent. Christ, the son of God, came from heaven. He entered into our world. He took up to himself our humanity. He walked on this earth as we did. He ate food like we ate. He, dr he drank as we drink. He walked. Uh, he shivered with the cold winds like we shivered uh, even. He was exhausted at the end of a day, just like we are. In every single way, he was like one of us, the Son of God, except for sin. This was a demonstration of God's love, his own son that he sent. Not so long ago, I was talking to a, a Muslim man on the streets, and I was uh, trying to tell him, uh, the gospel and tried to tell him about Christ. He wouldn't give me, he wouldn't give me any ground, any any uh, leeway to do that. He one thing he kept going on and on about and shouting about was that how can God, the Creator, become a human? This is his sticking point. This is what he couldn't get past. How could God become a man? But it, he did, and that's the wonder uh, wonder of it, friends. He couldn't get past it because naturally speaking, it's, it's beyond us, but. This is what the Word of God tells us. God demonstrated His love through uh, Christ coming uh, into this world. That is uh, His love, and we uh, believe it. God sent His Son into this world, into enemy territory, onto foreign soil, we could say. Did the world welcome Him when He came? Did they roll out the red carpet and say, Come, welcome, uh, we, O Creator, our King? Not at all. Not at all. It rejected him. The world laughed at him. It scorned him. It called him names. It hounded him. The world despised him as an uneducated man. It called him an insurrectionist, a troublemaker, a disturber of the peace. And at the end, it condemned him as a criminal and, and, and subjected him to a criminal's death. He died in pain. He died in shame. On the cross, as that. Was it a surprise to God 
Was God surprised by all these things that happened to him? Not at all, friends. God knew beforehand that his son would be so, so treated, and yet he still sent him. He still sent him into uh, such a world, tangible proof of God's love. And he said, sent him so that we, through his uh, death on, on, on that cross, may be forgiven, that we may find life uh, through him. That's what it says in verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus came into the world to suffer and to die for sinners. The word here speaks of propitiation, speaks of uh, God's righteous anger against sin. That God is angry with, uh, against sin. That God must punish sin. That we will be brought before uh, a holy God on the day of judgment. And we must, uh, uh, we must answer to him for our sins. And if Christ hasn't answered and paid for our sins, then I must do that. But God sent his son into the world to make an atonement for our sins. That anger that was due to me for my sin and for my rebellion was redirected to the Son of God on the cross. The punishment that was due to me, the penalty that I should have paid, was redirected to the Son of God dying in agony on the cross. The, punish, the punishment of eternal hell where I should have been cast was again redirected to the Savior who died on the cross for my sin. That's what Christ came to do. That's love, friends, to bear the pain and the agonies that were due to me. This is the love of God. This is Christ's love. The cross, friends, is the pinnacle of God's love, the high point of his love, the clearest proof that we have of uh, his love. The cross is tangible proof that God loves us. His love, friends, is so amazing. It's unlike our own. We love people, isn't it, who love us. We respond to people who respond to us. We set our love upon those we think who deserve it. But God's love is different. God sets his love upon people who do not love him, upon sinners who like ourselves, who do not deserve any of his mercies or his uh, kindness. God took the initiative. God took the first step, and he has so unmistakably manifested such love uh, to the world. But friends, it's not just there for our admiration. It's not just there for us to look and admire and say, how wonderful, how great uh, that, these things that God has done. Love demands a response. Love calls for a response from each individual. Will you respond uh, to the overtures of his love? I've told you in a very brief way of this love. Now, friends, what will be your return of love to him? The Lord says, I've done all this to reconcile, make a way of reconciliation for you. You can come to God. You can come to know peace with God. You can have forgiveness with God. You can know uh, the assurance of going to heaven. Will you respond uh, to him? A response, friends, it begins with believing. You come to him and you say, Lord, I believe in your love. Lord, I believe in Christ. 
I believe in what he has done on Calvary's cross. I believe that he was there dying to take away her sin. And at the same time, as you confess your faith in him, while you at the same time repent of your sins, and you turn away from those things, and you yield your life over to the Lord. And friends, as you do that, he assures you that he will forgive you, he will bless you, and he will give you a new life. And you will begin to experience that love of God. That's just the beginning. (laughs) That's just the beginning of a relationship with God. There's so much more to come. And you'll, but you'll always be looking back uh, to the cross. You're always going back to that greatest demonstration of love. The Lord Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross. Oh friends, don't pass by. You know so many people at the cross, what did they do? There were some who were looking and beholding the Savior. Others were passing by mocking the cross. Mocking the Savior. Others were just passing by, just out of interest and curiosity. Oh, we came out to see what happened to him and how he died and what he would do, what he would say. That was it. No, friends, you must go further. You must believe in what he was doing. It's it's an act of love. But realize that there on the cross, Christ was taking away sin. That whoever believes in him may have life everlasting. Or may God help us in these things. Let's pray uh, together. Oh God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for Thy merciful ways and dealings with us. We thank Thee, O Lord, for ever setting Thy love upon us and demonstrating demonstrating it to us in this uh, amazing way. And we pray, Lord, that Thou wouldst come and touch our hardened hearts. Soften them, we pray, that we may not be so uh, uh, oblivious to these things and so negligent of them, but may respond in a way that is worthy of such a great act. Help us, we pray, and bless us, we ask in our Saviour's name. Amen.